Chapter Seven of A Happy Boy by Björnstjerni Björnson, translated by Rasmus Anderson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Chapter Seven. The schoolmaster had judged the boy correctly when he asked the priest to try whether Oyvind could bear to stand number one. During the three weeks which elapsed before the confirmation, he was with the boy every day. It is one thing for a young, tender soul to yield to an impression. What through faith it shall attain is another thing. Many dark hours fell upon Oyvind before he learned to choose the goal of his future from something better than ambition and defiance. Often in the midst of his work he lost his interest and stopped short. What was it all for? What would he gain by it? And then presently he would remember the schoolmaster, his words and his kindness, and this human medium forced him to rise up again every time he fell from a comprehension of his higher duty. In those days, while they were preparing at Pladsen for the confirmation, they were also preparing for Oyvind's departure for the agricultural school, for this was to take place the following day. Taylor and Shoemaker were sitting in the family room, the mother was baking in the kitchen, the father working at a chest. There was a great deal said about what Oyvind would cost his parents in the next two years, about his not being able to come home the first Christmas, perhaps not the second either, and how hard it would be to be parted so long. They spoke also of the love Oyvind should bear his parents, who were willing to sacrifice themselves for their child's sake. Oyvind sat like one who had tried sailing out into the world on his own responsibility, but had been wrecked, and was now picked up by kind people. Such is the feeling that humility gives, and with it comes much more. As the great day drew near, he dared call himself prepared, and also dared look forward with trustful resignation. Whenever Marit's image would present itself, he cautiously thrust it aside, although he felt a pang in so doing. He tried to gain practice in this, but never made any progress in strength. On the contrary, it was the pain that grew. Therefore he was weary the last evening, when, after a long self-examination, he prayed that the Lord would not put him to the test in this matter. The schoolmaster came as the day was drawing to a close. They all sat down together in the family room, after washing and dressing themselves neat and clean, as was customary the evening before going to communion or morning service. The mother was agitated, the father silent. Parting was to follow the morrow's ceremony, and it was uncertain when they could all sit down together again. The schoolmaster brought out the hymn-books, read the service, sang with the family, and afterwards said a short prayer, just as the words came into his mind. These four people now sat together until late in the evening, the thoughts of each centering within. Then they parted with the best wishes for the coming day, and what it was to consecrate. Oyvind was obliged to admit, as he laid himself down, that he had never gone to bed so happy before. He gave this an interpretation of his own. He understood it to mean, I have never before gone to bed feeling so resigned to God's will, and so happy in it. Marit's face at once rose up before him again, and the last thing he was conscious of was that he lay and examined himself, not quite happy, not quite, and that he answered, Yes, quite. But again, not quite. Yes, quite. No, not quite. 
when he awoke he at once remembered the day prayed and felt strong as one does in the morning since the summer he had slept alone in the attic now he rose and put on his handsome new clothes very carefully for he had never owned such before there was especially a round broadcloth jacket which he had to examine over and over again before he became accustomed to it he hung up a little looking-glass when he had adjusted his collar and for the fourth time drew on his jacket at sight of his own contented face with the unusually light hair surrounding it reflected and smiling in the glass it occurred to him that this must certainly be vanity again yes but people must be well dressed and tidy he reasoned drawing his face away from the glass as if it were a sin to look in it to be sure but not quite so delighted with themselves for the sake of the matter no certainly not but the lord must also like to have one care to look well that may be but he would surely like it better to have you do so without taking so much notice of yourself that is true but it happens now because everything is so new yes but you must gradually lay the habit aside he caught himself carrying on such a self-examining conversation now upon one theme now upon another so that not a sin should fall on the day and stain it but at the same time he knew that he had other struggles to meet when he came downstairs his parents sat all dressed waiting breakfast for him he went up to them and taking their hands thanked them for the clothes and received in return a wear them out with good health footnote a common expression among the peasantry of norway meaning you are welcome End footnote. they sat down to table prayed silently and ate the mother cleared the table and carried in the lunch-box for the journey to church the father put on his jacket the mother fastened her kerchief they took their hymn-books locked up the house and started as soon as they had reached the upper road they met the church-faring people driving and walking the confirmation candidates scattered among them and in one group and another white-haired grandparents who had felt moved to come out on this great occasion it was an autumn day without sunshine as when the weather is about to change clouds gathered together and dispersed again sometimes out of one great mass were formed twenty smaller ones which sped across the sky with orders for a storm but below on the earth it was still calm the foliage hung lifeless not a leaf stirring the air was a trifle sultry people carried their outer wraps with them but did not use them an unusually large multitude had assembled round the church which stood in an open space but the confirmation children immediately went into the church in order to be arranged in their places before service began then it was that the schoolmaster in a blue broadcloth suit frock coat and knee breeches high shoes stiff cravat and a pipe protruding from his back coat pocket came down towards them nodded and smiled tapped one on the shoulder spoke a few words to another about answering loudly and distinctly and meanwhile worked his way along to the poor-box where oyvind stood answering all the questions of his friend hans in reference to his journey good day oyvind how fine you look to-day he took him by the jacket-collar as if he wished to speak to him listen i believe everything good of you i have been talking with the priest you will be allowed to keep your place go up to number one and answer distinctly oyvind looked up at him amazed the schoolmaster nodded the boy took a few steps stopped a few steps more stopped again 
yes it is surely so he has spoken to the priest for me and the boy walked swiftly up to his place you are to be number one after all someone whispered to him yes answered oyvind in a low voice but he did not feel quite sure whether he dared think so the assignment of places was over the priest had come the bells were ringing and the people pouring into church then oyvind saw marit heidegard's just in front of him she saw him too but they were both so awed by the sacredness of the place that they dared not greet each other he only noticed that she was dazzlingly beautiful and that her hair was uncovered more he did not see oyvind who for more than half a year had been building such great plans about standing opposite her forgot now that it had come to the point both the place and her and that he had in any way thought of them after all was ended the relatives and acquaintances came up to offer their congratulations next came oyvind's comrades to take leave of him as they had heard that he was to depart the next day then there came many little ones with whom he had coasted on the hillsides and whom he had assisted at school and who now could not help whimpering a little at parting last came the schoolmaster silently took oyvind and his parents by the hands and made a sign to start for home he wanted to accompany them the four were together once more and this was to be the last evening on the way home they met many others who took leave of oyvind and wished him good luck but they had no other conversation until they sat down together in the family room the schoolmaster tried to keep them in good spirits the fact was now that the time had come they all shrank from the two long years of separation for up to this time they had never been parted a single day but none of them would acknowledge it the later it grew the more dejected oyvind became he was forced to go out to recover his composure a little it was dusk now and there were strange sounds in the air oyvind remained standing on the doorstep gazing upward from the brow of the cliff he then heard his own name called quite softly it was no delusion for it was repeated twice he looked up and faintly distinguished a female form crouching between the trees and looking down who is it asked he i hear you are going away said a low voice so i had to come to you and say good-bye as you would not come to me dear me is that you marit i shall come up to you no pray do not i have waited so long and if you come up i should have to wait still longer no one knows where i am i must hurry home it was kind of you to come said he i could not bear to have you leave so oyvind we have known each other since we were children yes we have and now we have not spoken to each other for half a year no we have not we parted so strangely too that time we did i think i must come up to you oh no do not come but tell me you are not angry with me goodness how could you think so good-bye then oyvind and many thanks for all the happy times we have had together wait marit indeed i must go they will miss me marit marit no i dare not stay any longer oyvind good-bye 
Afterwards he moved about as in a dream, and answered very absently when he was addressed. This was ascribed to his journey, as was quite natural, and indeed it occupied his whole mind at the moment when the schoolmaster took leave of him in the evening and put something into his hand, which afterwards he found to be a five-dollar bill. But later, when he went to bed, he thought not of the journey, but of the words which had come down from the brow of the cliff, and those that had been sent up again. As a child, Mart was not allowed to come to the cliff, because her grandfather feared she might fall down. Perhaps she will come down some day, anyway. End of chapter 7